Welcome to the next episode of the Hondo Handy Podcast, brought to you by Residence in a, by Marriott, your journey to an unforgettable stay at their hotel in Ocean City, Maryland, located at 300 Seabay Lane, call 410-723-2222, or find them on the web at residenceinoc.com. My guest today is Ian Goldberg, uh, founder and CEO of iSports360. How are you doing today, Ian? Doing great, Hondo. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, and let me give my let me give my listeners a little background on you before we get started. Sure. Ian Goldberg is the is a sports dad, a volunteer coach, and the founder of iSport360. He launched it in 2017. iSport360 is changing the culture in youth sports. A hundred thousand coaches, players, and parents depend on iSport360 to set the goals, foster healthy teams, communication, and engage parents in a positive way. And the information and the frequent funny articles in his newsletter have been shared by thought leaders across the industry. With notable pro sports and Silicon Valley tech investors behind them and partners with the big they partner with and partnerships with the biggest players in the game, iSport360 is you find it the next generation in new sports platforms. Ian started his career at the White House in the mid-1990s, working for the economic advisors of two presidents, and then spent most of his career running innovative digital companies in the dot-com economy. But in 2016, I had to see the best of the worst of the new sports while coaching his two daughters. Ian decided to launch iSport360. Today, Ian is the CEO of iSport360, a progressive thought leader in youth sports industry and an advisor for the board and a board member of the National Alliance for Youth Sports. Um, he has been keeping youth sports teams connected, active, and strong through coronavirus and beyond. Ian, you have an extensive background. Um, congratulations. Thank you so much. And tell my listeners a little bit about your uh, upbringing, maybe where you grew up. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I grew up uh, in New Jersey, um, about halfway between New York City and Philadelphia. Spent a lot of time playing sports. Um, it was it was a little different back in the 1980s. Uh, we didn't have so much organized sports. It was a lot more just go out to the park go shoot hoops on uh, someone's driveway, oh, yeah. go, you know, go, go get a pickup game of, of <laughs> wiffle ball or baseball going in someone's yard. So um, that's how I grew up, but I loved playing sports. Uh, I loved the recreation programs that uh, my town had to offer. Um, so it was a really, really fun time to be a kid. Well, that was uh, going to be part of my next question about uh... Uh, different sports and uh, recreation activities that you maybe played in when you grew up. Um, but uh, you answered that question. But when you, uh, what, what high school did you attend? Uh, well, I grew up in a, a small town called Morganville. Uh, went to a, a high school called Marlboro High School, right in central New Jersey, uh, right near the New Jersey shore. Did you, did you play any uh, sports during high school? 
I did. I was into every sport pretty much. Basketball was was my favorite, but I think because I wasn't amazing at one particular sport, I just kept trying new sports all the time. And I guess you could say I was a pretty well-rounded, uh, you know, athletic kid. Um, and I enjoyed just just trying any new sport. So basketball, soccer, baseball, um, even you know the more like schoolyard games like wiffle ball or kickball, volleyball, right. all that good stuff. Well, it sounds like you're very athletic. I try to be. I still try to be, even, you know, years and years, decades later. Well, um, continue playing. Don't stop like I did. <laughs> <laughs> well, after high school, you, uh, you started to attend college. Was George Washington University your first choice, or were you, you considering other schools? Uh, no, that was my first choice. It's where I wound up. And for me at that time, I wanted to be as close to the White House as I possibly could. I was really interested in, in politics and government affairs. So I, I felt like I landed in the right place. Well, that was your major, right? Political communication? That's that's correct. And as, as you mentioned in my bio, I was fortunate enough to be able to work at the White House for a couple of years for two different presidents and their economic advisors. Well, and which two presidents were they? Uh, this was President uh, George Herbert Walker Bush. So the first President Bush, I worked for oh, him okay. starting in 1991. And then I continued working into the Clinton administration right through until uh, I believe believe it was late in 1993. Okay, well, I'm going to jump ahead uh, later on, and I guess in life, you decided to um, uh, seek your master's. Uh, and you did that in business administration? Yeah, yeah. I went to Rutgers University for my MBA, and I just I actually... I went as an adult, so I didn't go right from college right into a, right. an MBA program. I had probably around eight to 10 years of experience in the workforce, but I thought that getting an MBA at that point would have been um, helped me polish up my business skills, but I also felt like I had seen the workforce um, a, a little bit, so I was able to to you know incorporate that into my studies and my perspective as I was going for my, MB, my MBA. So uh, your MBA was in business administration and I guess entrepreneurship and small business operations. That's right. Too. That's right. I always knew I wanted to um, to start my own business. I had come from a few generations of of entrepreneurs, people uh, in my family who had you know, taken risks to to start their own business and and do their own thing and try to um, you know pursue their own journey. Well. Back to your um, time at the White House, uh, Washington, what, what were your responsibilities again? I worked for the economic advisors to those presidents. Um, I was young. I was uh, you know, new to the workforce, so I was doing a lot of research, but um, a, lot of, okay. a lot of research on glo- global economics, uh, the impact of technology on our economy. Um, it was a pretty, pretty exciting time. Well, while you were, uh, I just said you were young, um, your time doing Washington, you also had a DJ company. That's true. You you did your homework, Hondo. <laughs> That's a little known fact, but, um, you know. Maybe we have to bring that down to names. Gr- bring, bring, bring your DJ uh, 
expertise down the, the opening of maze next year. This was way this was in in the nineteen eighties into the nineteen nineties, well before DJs were getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to show up and, and you know, a DJ in front of a stadium full of people. Um, but I did start my own business when I was about 15 years old uh, with my best friend. And uh, we just started DJing parties, weddings, sweet 16s. And uh, it was fun as can be. And we were making more money than any 15 year old in the neighborhood. That was for sure. <laughs> And then um, you moved on and became an uh, assistant account manager um, for, for, what is it called? The company is called uh, Amir, Amira, Amirati. Amirati. And yeah, yeah. Puris, that's right. Yeah, I spent the first 10 years of my career um, in the advertising world in New York City. Uh, this was like the, the mid-1990s. And the advertising world that had been traditionally all about um, you know, print ads and TV ads and outdoor advertisements was transitioning right. to a digital, um, a digital economy where it was more about learning how to um, market companies on the internet. So I was part of that first, genera- that first dot-com generation where we were creating um, internet ads and we were learning how to track the performance of those advertising campaigns and we were building the first e-commerce websites it was it was a really great time to be in that industry and to be in new york city well you definitely were um starting starting your uh, digital.com career there um and then you were a senior account manager for another marketing group uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so I worked for a few, I mean, in the 1990s in New York City, there were lots of um, budding, small dot-com agencies. And so I worked for a few of those. Um, I was part of the founding team for a few of those. And, um, you know, we were, generally speaking, it, it was being done by by young people in their 20s who just we're grabbing onto the latest technology and trying to find ways to help big corporations. So, um, so that's kind of the the economy that I joined. Uh, and then along the way, you, you did some um, uh, work with your family food uh, distribution company. Yeah. So I made a major wholesale career change in 2001 into 2002 and the truth is hondo this was um this was really uh, precipitated by september 11th um i was working in downtown manhattan on september 11th and wow. um that day changed changed my life changed my perspective on things and within a few days after yeah. september 11th um, you know, I spoke to my my new wife at the time, and I, I called my family who had a food distribution business, my parents, and I said, I'd really like to leave New York City, leave this the dot-com industry, and just be in a, in a job where I can enjoy my family and have flexibility in my schedule and kind of not be part of the rat race so much. So... I went into my family's food distribution business, which, I mean, it's a pretty 
that industry is is pretty archaic. I mean, it's very brick and mortar. It's it's all about warehouses, trucks, and delivering actual products to um, right. to brick and mortar customers. So it was a very big change from the innovative technology I had left behind. But it was the right thing to do at that time in my life. Um, it allowed me to spend a lot of time with my my parents, my wife, my kids. And but you know, as I got uh, towards 2016, I had this idea that was was um, fostering and that was evolving, and I just had to pursue it and start this company. Well, before we get into your company, you said you, you were there at 9/11. Yeah, I worked in downtown Manhattan, yeah. not at the, not at the financial, um, not at not in the Twin Towers. Thank goodness. Right, but just being in the, but being uh, being in downtown Manhattan that day was pretty uh, uh, pretty traumatic. It's had to be chaotic. Yep. Well, um, uh, before we talk about your experience of coaching with the girls, um, um, I just want to let you know that I'm happy to be uh, a member of the board of National Alliance for Youth Sports Advisory Board with you. Um, I think that's a, a fantastic uh, association, and I'm glad to be a part of it. And hopefully, you are too. Without a doubt, and I'm glad it, uh, it it initiated our friendship, and it's something that I feel very passionate about, and um, that's why I try to, you know, give my time to that organization. Well, um, and I guess the girls were getting a few years older, and you became you started coaching the girls. Uh, and different sports. Yeah, uh, so I have two daughters. Uh, one's one's eleven, one's fifteen. I've coached them in soccer and basketball um, since they were each probably four years old. So I guess you could say I have a lot of patience. <laughs> uh, yeah, you had to. <laughs> I've watched them grow from four-year-olds, uh, you know, picking flowers on the soccer fields to really um, mature and passionate young athletes and successful young athletes. Well, somewhere along the line, you decided that, uh, um, you know, you want to start the iSport 360. And um, I guess that came from uh, your coaching um, experience. That's exactly right. I think, uh, you know, so many volunteer coaches and recreation coaches, um, they have great intentions. And then they go out and they volunteer their time to coach the kids from the neighborhood and one of the first things they notice is how hard of a job this is. Um, and for me, some of the biggest challenges were, revolved around the parents on the teams. And, you know, these are parents from your neighborhood that you know, you may even be friends with. <laughs> and yet it's really hard to manage their expectations, manage the communication with them, and really ensure that their child has a great uh, youth sports experience. And so those were the goals I had in mind when I created iSport 360, um, you know, to connect the coach and the parent and the child the same way that a teacher and a parent and a child works together to make sure that every kid has success. So that was kind of the inspiration behind launching this company. Yeah, sort of like being the, um, the uh, classroom outside of... Uh... School. That's exactly right. And there's so much that we can learn from the world of education about best practices and tools and, you know, things we can apply uh, on the ball fields and in, in youth sports in general. 
Well, I love the uh, the app uh, that because it allows uh, a team to share training videos, practice assignments, sticker awards, which is really fun, and player evaluation. Then you then you have the uh, virtual locker rooms. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, so uh, it, it's interesting. We came up with this idea for a new feature um, maybe three months before the pandemic. And it wound up being tremendous in terms of our growth during the pandemic. But uh, my team and I, we talked about how much fun we used to have in the locker room when we were kids playing sports. And that's where teams celebrated victories. And that's where you supported your teammates. And there was a lot of fun banter in there. And leaders emerged from the locker room experience. Um, and, you know, then some bad things happened in locker rooms. And and I think this generation of parents is kind of, a, they're afraid to have their kids go into locker rooms. So I wanted to yeah. recreate that childhood experience I had in a virtual way. So we created this virtual locker room on our platform where teammates on, a, on an individual team can connect and chat and share share videos, share sticker rewards, have fun, come up with the, um, you know, the playlist of songs they're going to use at their next warm-up session, do all kinds of fun things there, but in a way that is safe and secure. So the only way you can get into this virtual locker room is if your coach puts you on the roster and your parents give you permission on our app to use the virtual okay. locker room. So it's it's much safer and more secure than any social media platform that these kids are hanging out on. Man, that's excellent. Now, is this the app that you piloted with the uh, in Wisconsin? We did. So we've had, uh, actually, it was the town of Appleton, Wisconsin, Rec Parks and Rec Department that had trialed the okay. product, maybe, maybe a they were just getting started right before the pandemic, um, but the pandemic certainly impacted, um, you know, that that pilot program. But at the moment, we have a bunch of clubs, rec uh, parks and rec departments, uh, training companies like soccer training companies, and they're all rolling this program out. And we're pretty thrilled about that. Um. And this is the new one that you was for the next generation. That's right. right. Yeah, we just launched a, a the next generation of our product about three weeks ago, and this was so our product's been out there for a couple of years, but during the pandemic, right. we realized um, we need to really put emphasis on features that teams can use, and clubs and um, parks and rec departments can use even when we're in a pandemic situation. So even when the teams are not actually able to train in person, they can still be training and stay connected um, when they're not in person. So that was really the emphasis on this new product we just launched a few weeks ago. And you have training videos and all their practice assignments. All yeah, well, you know, so... So many teams went to Zoom and started using uh, video conferencing to do training, certainly soccer teams and basketball teams. And to some extent, um, baseball teams, hockey teams, they, they were doing fitness and agility drills and they used Zoom as a great platform. But when they were done with those Zoom calls, they needed a way 
um, like you just said, to share training videos. They needed a way to share practice assignments. They needed a way to share sticker rewards. So that's how iSport360 has complemented um, some of these virtual training experiences, um, but certainly hoping to get fully back to play so iSport360 can complement the in-person training and uh, competition as well. And during the coronavirus, um, especially the summer, you, um, you, you gave your uh, iSport360 for free to some agencies, We actually right? gave it to everyone for free. Um, back, I guess it was everyone, everyone. Yeah, it was around the first week of April when things were getting really bad. And certainly, uh, you know, recreation programs and, and youth sports organizations were struggling. They had no money coming in. So we announced right. at that time that we would stop all subscription fees and just let everybody use our platform for free. So um, that was... That was a big move for us because we're a very young company and sacrificing our revenue for the pretty much for the whole year was was risky, but it turned out to be the right thing to do for the community. And it turned out to be the right thing to do because we got some wow. some great press as our um, user base started to really grow. Wow. Well, I tell you, you have some great videos and and you make a good point when you, um, uh, you know, you point out that high sport three hundred and sixty kind of empowers the kids. Well, that's that's the most important thing, right? I mean, you and I know that as well as anybody. Um, but I think if you look at the whole youth sports industry, um, specifically the technology that's been built in the youth sports industry. So much of it was built for the back office operations of, of a lot of your listeners, like the Parks and Rec Department and the youth sports organizations. They needed scheduling tools. They needed scorekeeping tools. They needed um, platforms to process registrations as the kids were signing up. That was very important. But those, those tools are not built for the kids. The kids need something to ensure that they have a great experience um, part of that, of course, is making sure the coaches um, have a bit of training so that they're doing a good job. But we really wanted to build a platform that was focused on the kids' success. Tell me a little bit about your, um, well, a little bit more about your newsletter. Um, yeah, so about two and a half years ago, I started to put out a newsletter every two weeks, and I called it. Uh, my support group for sports parents and coaches, because I think, you know, we, we all share so many frustrations, whether it's the challenge of, of finding time to fit everything in, whether it's the financial um, challenges of being able to afford your kids' sports programs, um, whether it's trying to follow all of the the suggestions that were given about, you know, not talking to kids in the drive home from their game, not overanalyzing. Um, and I actually just found some humor in all of this because we've all been guilty of doing what we're not supposed to do. We've all been guilty of being that parent on the sideline that just cannot be quiet and you're coaching your kid from the sidelines. So I wanted to use some humor and share some articles with sports parents and coaches and just help them understand we're very empathetic of their their challenges. And um, so we just share a lot of 
articles and videos from professional athletes who've contributed, from sports psychologists, from educators. Um, so we keep it very lighthearted. And we now have 110,000 subscribers to our newsletter. And I, you know, I hope, wow. I hope we're really making an impact without going um, and like embarrassing sports parents for misbehaving. Because like I said, we, we've all been there. So um, we try to be very empathetic, um, humble, and use a lot of humor. I'll tell you, this is, uh, this is excellent. I'll have to get a link so I can share with some of my rec departments around here. Thank you. Absolutely. And anyone can sign up for the newsletter or, or the app, of course, but even um, just the newsletter at isport360.com. Um, what, um, so you, you, your program is, is really across the whole country. Yeah. Well, that's the magic of, of social media. Um, you know, it's, it's, wow. we, we just feature a lot of our articles and videos on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and because of that, we've been able to to really spread the word across the country and actually even beyond. Like we have a lot of hockey customers in Canada, uh, which is pretty thrilling for me. And then here and there, we get a, an occasional customer in in Australia or um, across Europe or Israel or you know Asia. So social media is uh, pr pretty um, powerful. Ian, um, I, I'm sure you don't know this but um, um i'm here in maryland and uh uh governor hogan signed a proclamation making uh, uh march this past march 2020 good sportsmanship in the state of maryland which would have been great for march madness and, you know high school basketball tournaments and recreation leagues but the coronavirus uh brought that kind yep. of to a hop um but how does uh uh, I sport 360 address good sports. I'm glad you asked that because our platform is all about building really well-rounded athletes. And especially at a time when social and emotional learning is so important for our kids. Um, so our platform at the beginning of your sports season, it actually sets goals for these kids, depending on what sport they play, um, their age, their gender, whether they're, um, uh, like on a competitive uh, travel uh, sports team or whether they're on a house or recreation team. So we set goals for these kids. Um, our app does that and it sets 10 goals for them. Usually about half of those goals are technical and tactical skills for their sports. But the other uh, five or so goals are all about life skills and um, physical skills to stay healthy. So we set those goals and then we give the um, coaches the ability to give feedback and give assessments on how the kids are progressing in the technical sports, uh, in the technical um, skills, but also in the life skills as well. I do like the player evaluations on your Thank app. you. Um, um, in being an athlete, uh, what would you tell a young kid about following their dreams? That's a great question. Well, 
I, let's let's be realistic. I think dreams um, change pretty rapidly, especially when you're a kid. Like you know, your dream when you're eight years old might be different than when it's when you're nine years old. But I think just applying perseverance and drive, and for parents to help um, nurture the kind of self motivated child to 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 identify their goals and their dreams and to pursue it. I think that's really important. Um, I think you need to be realistic, though. You know, not every um, young basketball player is going to be the next Kobe or LeBron. And we need to keep that in perspective, too, because if we push these kids too hard, especially in their sports, they will quit. So I think it's about finding balance and setting goals, realistic goals for yourself, and then just helping to to nurture kids that really pursue those goals. Excellent answer. Well, Ian, is there anything else you would like to add? Maybe how people can reach you? Absolutely. Um, so best way to reach me is um, by email. And my email address is ian at isport360.com. Our website, which has a lot of information about our newsletter and our app is um, isport360.com. And, and to your audience, um, I uh, am spending all of my time helping clubs and parks and rec departments solve their biggest challenges. And five or 10 years ago, the biggest challenges were all of those back office operations. Um, but today, I'm really hearing from customers that the biggest challenge is about communication. And it's about getting the stakeholders in your programs to get on the same page and support the kids. And those stakeholders are the, you know, the administrators, the coaches, the parents, and the kids. And I think iSport360 is a really great solution to do that. So I'd love for your audience to give it a try and let us know uh, what they think. Uh, very good. Well, Ian, on that note, I think I'll bring our, our interview to a close. Uh, this has been the Honda Handy Podcast brought to you by Residence Inn by Marriott. Your journey to an unforgettable stay in Ocean City, Maryland. Located at 300 Seabay Lane. Call them at 410-723-2222 or find them on the web at, at residenceinnoc.com. Our guest today has been Ian Goldberg, founder and CEO of iSport360. Thanks so much Thank for having you. me, Hondo. You're welcome. Be safe and keep smiling.